If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 80 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we talk with Kevin Eikenberry. Kevin is a well-known and highly regarded leadership expert, a two-time best-selling author, and particularly relevant to listeners here, he blogs under the title Leadership and Learning. Before we get to the interview, though, we want to take a moment to thank Castle, our sponsor for the second quarter of 2017. Castle is an accomplished full services certification and licensure testing company that also offers its clients a variety of learning solutions capabilities. With an expert team of testing and instructional design professionals and a 30-year history of excellence in its field, Castle understands what it takes to develop and deliver quality learning and certification programs. To find out more about Castle's custom learning solutions, go to leadinglearning.com/castle. We also want to note that recordings from our recent Learning Technology Design Virtual Conference are now available. We created that conference specifically for professionals in the business of continuing education and professional development, and you can get access to all of the great content delivered at the live online event by going to ltd.leadinglearning.com. For this episode's resource, we want to highlight a free video series from Kevin Eikenberry, our guest for this episode. It's called 13 Days to Remarkable Leadership, and as that title suggests, the series is delivered to you over the course of 13 days via email. If you're looking to boost your leadership skills, this is a great starting point. To get the videos, just go to leadinglearning.com remarkable. Well, that sounds like a great resource, and I know that Kevin is all about remarkable leadership, and I assume that's the territory that you covered in your conversation with him. That's right. We talk about the, the fundamentals of leadership and why remarkable leadership seems to be so elusive. And of course, we talk a good bit about the relationship between leadership and learning, as well as resources for leaders and aspiring leaders who want to learn and grow. Well, that all sounds great and particularly relevant for listeners of the Leading Learning Podcast. So let's head on over and listen to the interview. Hello, this is Jeff Cobb, and I am joined in this episode by Kevin Eikenberry. Kevin is a well-known and highly regarded leadership expert and a two-time best-selling author, among other accomplishments. He is also Chief Potential Officer at the Kevin Eikenberry Group, a leadership and learning consulting company that has been helping organizations, teams, and individuals reach their potential since 1993. Kevin, there is a lot more that can be said about you and your accomplishments, but first, I'd like to say welcome to the Leading Learning Podcast. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. Well, thanks for taking the time, and I've offered some high-level background on you, but I'd love to have you share with listeners just a bit more about who you are and, and what you do. Okay, so I grew up on a farm in Michigan, and you can take the boy off the farm, but you can't take the farm out of the boy. All right. I have a, a wonderful wife. Now I'm going to sound like I'm on, on a game show. I have a lovely wife and two wonderful children, <laughs> uh, but I, my, my son is soon to be 25 and uh, is married to one of the members of my team. And my daughter will be heading off to college in the fall. So uh, I've got a I've got a fabulous team of folks. We've been at this doing this kind of work for uh, 
approaching 24 years, Jeff. And uh, while at the beginning it was mostly Kevin, now it's largely not Kevin. I mean, I've got a whole team of folks spread out across the country that are that we're working together to help leaders be more effective. Well, that's great. It sounds like you've got a very full personal and, and professional life there, which I'm sure you've managed to to blend together and, and balance, as, as people say. Now, how did you come to be focused on leadership as an area of work in the first place? Well, I think a couple of things. Uh, part of it, Jeff, is that, you know, I think le- leaders are leaders are who make positive change in the world. Mm. And so if I want to have an opportunity to help have a bigger lever to create uh, greater results in organizations, I think you've got to start with leaders. So I think that's part of it. Uh, and and commercially, I suppose there's, you know, there's a lot of leaders in the world. So there's an opportunity from that perspective. But I think personally, beyond those two things, the thing that because I get asked that question quite a bit and I, I don't always <clears throat> I didn't always know how to answer it. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I, I, here's how I've come to answer it. And Jeff, in my book, Remarkable Leadership, I made the statement something along the lines of uh, the best uh, the best leaders are the best human beings and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And I think what I've learned in my own personal work is that I'm best at working on and talking about skills that affect us both personally and professionally. And so really the skills of leadership are skills that apply in all parts of our lives. And and many of the skills of leadership are, are really good interpersonal skills. And so uh, from my perspective, if I'm if if I and we are doing our best work, we're help we're helping people not only be more effective leaders and get better and reach better outcomes through through, through other people, but they're also becoming better people mm. and better parents and better spouses and better friends and better neighbors and, and and more productive and successful in whatever it is that they want to accomplish. So it's the blending of personal and professional that that I think drew me to it, and I think that that's an important message for everyone listening that. Um, we ought to be thinking about how do we use the skills we're learning in leadership in the rest of our lives. And oh, by the way, that goes both directions. And so that means we've got lots of chances to practice the skills we're trying to get better at. Right. Well, I love that you think of it as a two-way street. And I mean, obviously, people are are hungry for leadership guidance. I mean, that seems to be a, a perennial need. You yourself have, have at least two books that, that you've written on leadership and I mean, if you if you walk into a Barnes and Noble, um, I'm not sure how many people walk into a Barnes and Noble anymore. But if you do, and you look on the uh, the bookshelves, I mean, you're going to see a lot of books about leadership. Amazon, you're going to find a lot of books uh, about leadership. Um, I mean, why is that? What is it that's you know so elusive about mem- uh, leadership? Uh, or, or maybe it's just because it's such a perennial need. But uh, I mean, why do people keep coming back to it? Um, you know, is it, is it that hard to, to, to grasp and, and to, to make good leadership a part of your life? It's a big question. And there's lots of possible lots of parts to the answer, Jeff, but, uh, um, in interest of our, of our, <laughs> the, the interest hours, of the interest yeah. <laughs> of our, of our folks, um, I'll say a couple things. And the first one is, uh, leadership is complex. Mm-hmm. It's hard. We're dealing with people who are inherently both amazing and phenomenal and messy. Messy, yeah. And they're all different. And so um, we've done a bunch of work over the years with NASA. And so if you talk to NASA leaders, they're rocket scientists, <laughs> right? There you go. Yeah. So like they are smart folks. 
no disrespect to anyone listening, but like rocket scientists, pretty dang smart. And if you ask them which is harder, building a rocket or leading people, they mm. will all it's leading people. The, the, one of the reasons there's so much written about it is that it's hard. It's hard to do well. It's co- it's hot. It's complex. There are there's not a single set of right answers. At some level, if you've I, I tell. I, I tell our rocket scientist friends that at some level building a rocket is like baking a cake and they don't really like that. Uh, <laughs> but there's a fundamental truth there and there's recipes. There's a set of recipes. There's a set of blueprints. And if we follow the blueprints, if we if we put the right numbers in the right formulas and we put the right formulas in the right place and we check our math, we get mm-hmm. a rocket. Predictably, we can get a rocket. And as hard as all of that is, no, no disrespect, right? As hard as all that is, that's not the same as with people. Because I can do something, Jeff, 612 times and it can go great. And the 613th time it fails miserably. Right. Because in the world of leadership, it's not about black and white. It's about shades of gray. It's not about single right answers. It's about principles. And if we apply the principles effectively and with good intention, we improve our odds. Hmm. Because because leadership at the end of the day is about influencing others, which means we can't control them, which means it has to be about what principles can I apply that will improve my chances of getting better results more of the time. Right. So so that's one of the reasons there's so much written about it is because it's hard. And and as you said, there's lots of folks always doing it. And, and the other thing is a lot of folks become leaders and they know the people that they've been led by weren't really necessarily all that great. Mm-hmm. But they don't necessarily – they know that's not what they want to do, but they don't necessarily know what to do. And lastly, again, in in interest of time, is that many people get promoted into a role of leadership uh, because they were a good salesperson and now you're the sales manager. Or you were a great operator and now you're a shift supervisor. Or you were a great uh, accountant and now you're the finance manager. And it's not the same skills that got you promoted that are the skills that you need now. Right, right. So – Definitely a perennial need and a, and a perennial need for, for practice, it, it sounds like, to, uh, to try to make those principles a, a part of your life. Now, I'm wondering, you know, we've obviously seen some really deep changes over the last couple of decades in, you know, how, for example, communication and collaboration happen, you know, and I think of those as essential tools in the leader's toolbox. Um, I mean, with the rise of, you know, the internet and mobile and, you know, everything that's created so much change over, over the past uh, couple of decades, ha- do you feel like anything fundamental has changed about leadership during that time period? Well, so let's just say a little bit more about your point, right? Okay. So I left Chevron 23 and a half years ago, and uh, the internet was sort of like AOL, mm. a browser who just sort of had been come into existence. There was no sense of me, there was no need for me to build a website because it didn't exist. Now, it wasn't long after that, but, you, you know, uh, when I started my company, I needed a fax machine. I, do I have to say any more? Like, <laughs> like, you know, like, it's so different now. So your question's a good one. Has leadership changed because of all that? And, and I would say it goes back to principles. Mm. Have people changed fundamentally? No. Right? I mean, in many, in many ways, the principles that work best to lead others are the same principles that have been around for 2000 years right now has context changed sure right have some of the metrics that we might use to descri- to to describe things changed has the has this need for speed changed mm. uh, does that perceived need for change sometimes get in our way 
Yes, right. I mean, we could go. Have there ever has there ever been a time in in the world where there were four generations of folks working together in the workplace at the same time? No. Mm. I mean, so yes, there are some things that are different, and we need to have that context. But I think the mistake that people sometimes make is they think, oh my gosh, it's all different. So I got to go find the new leadership book because it's all new. That's just wrong. Right. 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 So we spend a lot of our, we do a lot of work and part of, part of our business is called the Remote Leadership Institute. So we do a lot of work with, uh, with folks who are leading teams who are not all in the same place. Whether they're around the around the globe or or just in the next next zip code, but they're not working together in the same place every day. And my team is that way, and that's way more true than it was twenty years ago. And what we say in that area is this: that leadership hasn't changed, right? But the fact that we're doing it remotely has there are some things that have changed, right? Written on my whiteboard board over here is the question: How does it change, and what shouldn't change? Hmm. And I think that's the way we ought to frame this conversation, right? There are nuances and context of difference that we need to keep in mind, take account of, be intentional about. But we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We don't start over because it's really not different. Right. And you've you've brought up a a word a few times there in your comments that um, sounds extremely important to me, and that's context. Um, And I know... When we're working with organizations, we don't tend to work on leadership. We tend to work on strategy and understanding context is just so fundamental to getting strategy right. And, and it sounds like what you're saying is, uh, uh, or at least related to what you're saying, is that the principles may not have changed for leaders, but if you are going to lead, you have to understand your context and, and how to apply those principles within that context. Is that a, a fair statement? Absolutely. So a couple of quick examples. So if I'm, I'm teaching, maybe I'm teaching a workshop and someone asks me a question, how would you handle this, Kevin? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is tell me a little bit more. I need to know, you know, like, you know, is this a new employee? Is this person been around a long time? How are they seen by the rest of the organization? I mean, like, I need to know some more stuff before I can give you what might be better advice. It's context. Right. Right. Without question. Um, what, what even like what's your level of confidence with that area? And, and so that's context. So so context matters a lot. And the other thing is sometimes people will say, well, Kevin, um, would this be a good way? I, I tried it this way. Was that the right answer? And my first answer question is always, did it work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then, it, yeah, probably. And that was the right answer. Right? As yeah. long as there's as long as there's not an unintended consequence that you're blind to, I might ask you a follow up question. But fundamentally, if it worked and it didn't have unintended consequences, then it's a fine answer, right? Definitely, definitely. Right? Well, and that, that may be a good um, uh, sort of segue to the, the next question I wanted to ask you, and this is one that I really inspired me to want to have you on the, the podcast in, in the first place. You know, this is a podcast that's called Leading Learning, and, uh, you know, you blog under the heading Leadership and, and Learning. So obviously, you know, you, you, you see a connection there like, like we do, so I would love to, to hear from you. What, what is your view of the relationship between leadership and, and learning? How are the two intertwined as you see it? Uh, I don't think it's possible to lead successfully unless you're a learner. Hmm. Uh, because if we just go back to what I said earlier, so they are, they are completely intertwined. Uh, in my book, Remarkable Leadership, we talk about 13 competencies of remarkable leaders. And the first one is remarkable leaders are continual learners. Mm. We, we can't, if you believe the idea, you know, if listeners, if you believe what Jeff and I were talking about earlier, that leadership is complex, 
And, and what I didn't say there, but it's also true, and that is there's not one single way to do it right. Right. So if you believe those two things, then you have to say, I got to be learning to keep getting better at this. I got to be learning from a context perspective to our last conversation. But if I just start with this idea of this is complex and hard, and if I, if I really want to get if – I, if, I, if I want to get better at it, I have mm-hmm. to be a learner. Mm-hmm. And even and, – and Jeff, even if you, if, you, even if you don't buy any of that, if you're like, okay, Kevin, I'm, I'm good enough at this. Yeah, okay. Okay. Right. Even if that's your belief, as a leader – you have a, fo- a group of folks that work for you, and I've never, ever, Jeff, talked to a leader and asked them, said, so is your team perfect? Mm. Do, do, any of your team, do, do your, any of your team members need to be learning anything? And everyone's like, yeah, of course. I want them to keep getting better. I need them to grow. I want them to they, – they've got some areas that they could get better at. Okay, great. So you want your team members to be learning, right? Yes. What's the best way to influence them to learn? Mm. Be an example. Right. Like if I want my daughter to be a reader – the best thing I can do is read a book and turn off the television. If all I do is tell her, you ought to be learning. <laughs> yeah. You ought to be reading. Like if I'm telling my folks, but man, you really need to be learning, but you're not doing it, it ain't going to work. So even if you don't buy it for yourself, you have to buy it as the example for everybody else. Right. It's, right. it's, it's, it's inextricably linked. You can't take them apart, in my opinion. Right. And how does that translate uh, to a to an even larger level in your mind. So there's the idea of you know the individual leader leading the team. You know, a lot of our listeners are going to come from say a trader professional association, yep. and they're trying to lead a whole field or industry. Their their organization is trying to lead that whole field or industry. I mean, what I don't know if you think about this in terms of competencies or I mean, how do you even sort of get at that if you're you know for example if you're the the vice president of, of education and learning within that association, and you really want to bring your whole field up, how would you uh, approach that as a leader, do you think? Well, first of all, hire you and then hire Kevin. That'd well, be the first thing that you want to do <laughs> and have us come in and help you. But, but seriously, so I, I think that we have to think about, you know, the first part of this conversation or what mm. we just were talking about was about me as an individual learner, leader learner, and how do I keep getting better in doing my role as a leader? Yes. Uh, but leaders also need to be focused on a vision and a future. And so if I'm in that, you know, in those sorts of roles in a trade association, I'm trying to, as you, the words you use, lead, lead our trade, lead our mm. profession. Mm-hmm. Then I've got part of my learning has got to be about the bigger picture. And I've probably got to be very conscious about the things I'm choosing to learn about. So like if to use your example, right, I'm a, I'm a director, I'm a VP of training and development for this trade association. Mm -hmm. And so you're probably reading about LMSs and you're probably learning about reading about e-learning and you're probably learning about the stuff that comes in training magazine and T and D and all that other kind of stuff. And yes, and are you reading the are you reading about your industry hmm. are you reading about relating industry related industries and what you're reading there is talking about i don't know rfid i'm making up a technology here right, right. Now, so now i need to go learn about that because there's an implication there for us down the road or i need to be learning about machine learning or i need to be learning about um whatever right Right. right. And so I think the context is we have to stay on that learning path, but we have to be intentional about what we're learning. And we can't just keep learning about the stuff that we already know and that we're supposed to be expert on. Right. But if we frame our role as leading the 
field, leading the trade, leading the profession, then we have to set our sights higher. We have to lift our head. We have to get a different perspective. It's the best chance we've got. Definitely, definitely. After they hire you, Jeff. Well, that that goes without saying, I think, for for any of our listeners. So. <laughs> as we're as we're as we're starting to, to to wind down here a little bit, I a couple of quick questions for you. Um, some you know maybe some very quick things that, that listeners can do. I'm sure that you have to be in the position of often, you know, recommending resources to uh, both aspiring leaders and to established leaders. Let's start with the aspiring leaders. You know, if you were going to recommend. Uh, two or three books, and we'll, we'll take for granted that they should read your books, and we'll definitely make sure we, we link to those in the uh, the show notes. But um, uh, what are two or three books that you would most often recommend to aspiring leaders? Well, I think I think you want to think about you want to think about fundamentals, mm. right? So. Uh, one of our books is From Bud to Boss. I know you're going to link to that, and I appreciate that. Uh, another great book that's very specifically about that are the, the first 90 days kind of books. Mm. There's a book called, and I don't have the exact title at the top of tip of my tongue, but it's the fir- what to do in the first 90 days as a supervisor right. kind of a thing. Excellent stuff. But beyond that, my answer to that question is much more individualized. And so mm-hmm. since I can't talk to every individual listener, what I can do is ask you a couple of questions. So if I'm talking to an aspiring leader, my question is, so where where are you most worried or where are you having the most challenge? And go find some really solid fundament books on those fundamentals, mm-hmm. right? So if it's about coaching, you you know, you find two or three good books on coaching and I'd start with Michael Bungay, Stan Yair, mm. um, the coaching habit. And, and if I were, if it was in the area of communication, I might look for books by, uh, Diana Boer, right? B O O H E R. And because there, she has several great books. If I'm talking about, uh, building relationships with my folks, I'm probably going to so say, go read Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. Right. So, you know, uh, uh, that's the direction I would take. And, and really my direction for more, more advanced leaders is the same. Mm. Like, you know, there are, there are folks who are just really smart and you want to read stuff from those folks. Right. And, and so, uh, you know, read, uh, if you have more of a marketing focus, you want to read Seth Godin, for example, mm-hmm. right? You 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 can cert- you can never go wrong by reading John Maxwell or or John Gordon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that you know, or, or Ken Blanchard. I mean, I could go on and I could talk about the people that I know and the people that I, that are my heroes, and and I could go on and on. But I but but at the end of the day, you want to go to the stuff that are where you're sensing that you have you're having challenges. Or where you've got feedback about where you're having challenges. Right. Oh, one more very important thing, though. You don't want to just work on the weaknesses. You also want to work on the things you're really good at. So right. if people say, man, the thing that you're really good at is leading effective meetings, keep studying about leading meetings. Because people determine who the best leaders are based on their great strengths, not because of their absence right. of weakness. Right. So we want to look at both of those things together. Yeah. And as a follow-on to that uh, – I mean, what are your perspectives on different genres, really? I mean, you've been talking more in the, in the business genre here, but, you know, history, biography, uh, fiction. I mean, should a, should a well-developed leader be in, engaging in those types of reading regularly? And, and actually, I'm going to go ahead and load on another question on top of that. I'd love, you know, from your own reading of history and, and biography, because I believe you're somebody who does that, you know, you know are there historical leaders that, that you particularly look up to? Okay. So absolutely. First of all, we should read broadly. We absolutely should. I don't personally read as much fiction as I probably should, or certainly as much. My, I'll put it this way. My 
my reading is doesn't have a lot of fiction in it. That's not necessarily the right answer. In other words, don't necessarily do what I do. Um, I read a lot. I don't. I, there aren't many people that I know that read more than me, uh, but I don't read that much fiction. But it's when I do, I'm always glad I did, and there's right. always lessons there, and I'd encourage you to do it. Right. Number one, um, should we be reading histories and biographies? I believe absolutely, because uh, we can have mentors that we never meet, right? And we can do that by studying what they did and and the decisions that they made. And 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 when you find one of those people that you find especially fascinating, then I'd encourage you to read more than one book about them, mm. right? So one of mine would be Lincoln. I've Lincoln, read okay. lots of books about Lincoln. I've read. Uh, several books about Thomas Jefferson. Mm. Um, I've read more than one book about George Washington, right? But I've read books about leaders in all sorts of industries, like in media and in also other sorts of areas. But yes, I believe history and biography are super important. Um, and if I were to give you a couple books that you might not, people might not know about, and I'll say them here, but we'll make sure that Jeff, that you get the links and get the names right yeah, so that definitely. you can let people know. But one is there's a, a book called Lead Like Julius Caesar. It is hmm. short. It is not written. It is not written by a historian or a biographer, hmm. but by someone who's interested in uh, leadership and Julius Caesar. Fabulous book by Philip Borlaug. And uh, I think it's Bar- Barlog. Barlog, I believe it is. And the second one uh, is a book about Ted- uh, Theodore Roosevelt from all written from the lens of leadership. So it's a biography of his whole life, but it's all written from the perspective of how that led him to be the leader that he became Flaws and all, hmm. uh, written by a guy named John Kenoki, K N O K E Y. As it turns out, I've interviewed both of those guys on my podcast, but the books are fabulous, and they're not the ones that you might be in the mainstream, mm-hmm. right? Oh, uh, Ben Franklin, another great person, mm-hmm. right? Um, and any biography by Isaacson is fantastic right. as it's another starting point. So I absolutely believe in reading broadly, and I certainly believe in reading biographies, uh, history, autobiographies, um, really really great places. And and when we're doing all of that, we should be reading them in two ways, Jeff. We should be just reading them to enjoy them, but we should be we should be reading them through the frame of this, through the through the lens of, okay, what can I learn about leadership here? Or what can I learn about communication here? Or how did this person coach or whatever? Mhm. So in other words, put the framework on it, it will make right. it a much more effective read. Right. Helps to, to shape the what, what you're trying to get out of it uh, in, in the end. Um, so you, you've been talking about reading here, uh, which I, you know, obviously is is one of your own lifelong learning habits and, and practices. And that's something we like to ask everybody about on, on the podcast as sort of a final question. Um, in, in addition to reading, you know, what are the, the lifelong learning uh, habits and practices that, that you engage in to make sure that you're continuing to grow and, and develop? I'll share two. Uh, one is that I think that we should always have uh, a current learning focus. Mm. So whether it's for a month, which is a way that we personally like it a lot, or whether it's for a quarter or whatever, like maybe for the next quarter you ne- you decide – oh, I need to learn about technology in our industry. And so I'm going to focus on that for the quarter. Or for the next quarter, I'm going to work on being a better coach. And I'm going to read some things. I'm going to take a course. I'm going to listen to some podcasts, whatever that might. I'm going to talk to some great coaches, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. So I I encourage people to be intentional in terms of focusing for a time period. 
Um, that's the first thing I'd say. And the second thing I would say is I hinted at a second ago. And it's this idea of filters. It's like everyone would tell their ask their kids when they come home from school this question: What did you learn today? Right. And I would ask everyone listening, when did you ask yourself that question last? Hmm. So one of the great lifelong learning practices is to be reflective and ask yourself, what am I learning? What did I learn from that situation? What worked? What didn't? And as we become more reflective, that might end up looking like writing a journal. And you say, I don't do that, Kevin. It might look like writing a blog. Say, I don't do that, Kevin. <laughs> and that's also fine, right? Um, but fundamentally deciding to intentionally reflect on what worked and what didn't and what I'm going to take from that and what I'm going to do next time. Right, right. Well, you've brought up that word intentionality uh, a few times in the conversation. I think it is so important. So uh, thanks for for highlighting that and and stressing that and and sharing uh, your perspectives on both learning and leadership. Um, Before we uh, wrap up uh, the, the episode here today, could you tell listeners where they can find out more about you and, and the work that you do? Yeah, the, ver- the very best place to go and where you can get to all of our stuff is start- to start at kevineikenberry.com, K-E-V-I-N-E-I-K-E-N-B, as in boy, E-R-R-Y.com. You can get to my blog from there. You can get to learn about all of the products and services that we offer, links to books and products and all of those other things. And, and uh, we'd love it if you came for a visit. We've got a couple of great things there, including a 13 Days to Remarkable Leadership video series that you can sign up for for free, and we'd love to have you join us. Well, great. We will be sure to link to that as well to as to the, the books and other resources you've mentioned throughout the interview today. So, Kevin, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the Leading Learning Podcast. It's been an honor and privilege. Thanks so much. That wraps up our interview with Kevin Eikenberry. As we're exiting, we want to say thanks again to Castle, a full-service certification and licensure testing company that also offers its clients a variety of learning solutions capabilities. You can find out more about Castle's custom learning solutions at leadinglearning.com slash castle. We also want to mention again that recordings from Learning Technology Design, or LTD, are available. That is a virtual conference specifically for professionals in the business of continuing education and professional development. And you can get all the details and sign up at ltd.leadinglearning.com. We have show notes for this episode as always. And to get them, just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 80. And while you're there, you will see the various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of the podcast, we'd be truly grateful if you would subscribe. We would also be grateful if you would take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. You can do that by going to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. We truly appreciate that, and it makes it much easier for others to find the podcast. Finally, we'd like you to consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet simply by going to leadinglearning.com slash share, and that will pop up a tweet window for you to just press tweet on it. Or if that's not your thing, you can just take that language and put it into another social network of your preference, LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever it is. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. Podcast.